0: Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, I want to jump in here and, uh, first of all, greet everybody and uh, put your hashtag B1 in the chat if you agree with what I'm about to say. Uh, I believe the black community should come first. I believe that black people are uh, leaders. I believe that black people are meant to be powerful. I believe black people are going to lead our families into a great 21st century. And if you agree with that, Put a hashtag B1 in the chat. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about Tamika Mallory. Uh, Tamika Mallory just uh, did something that was really interesting. She did a commercial with Cadillac. So I saw Tamika Mallory, a lady who I know. I know Tamika, so I'm not going to talk bad about her. But I am going to be honest, you know, and kind of break some of this down and and get you guys' opinion. So get comfortable. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. We're going to talk about Tamika Mallory and that interesting Cadillac commercial on DrBoysTV.com right now. Here we are claiming the Islam's cataclysm great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones want too late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power. Never be fake. Stick to coach sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs. Support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees. Triple ten, three PhDs now on the CNN, DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is blissful, we can turn into intelligence. Please none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are, Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to Dr. Boyce TV the home for intelligent black people. Today I want to talk about Tamika Mallory, and uh, Tamika is an activist who has been heavily involved in a lot of the uh, things that have been going on. The, I want to say the Black Lives Matter kinds of stuff, but I don't know how closely affiliated she is with Black Lives Matter. Uh, she's not ai don't think she's a leader in the group or anything like that. Tamika is just an activist who uh, I think loves Black people and I think is a good person. Um, I've, I've known Tamika. I, I've known her for a long time, but I haven't talked to her in years. I knew her back years ago, uh, around probably oh nine, oh about 2010, Actually, when I spent more time around Al Sharpton, and I kind of distanced myself from that space because that wasn't my type of thing. But at that time, I, I just didn't know I was sort of learning. And so Tamika did this Cadillac commercial. And uh, it's actually, I put it up on my Instagram page. My Instagram is The Real Boys Walking. So if you wanna actually see the ad, uh, you could check it out. Well, I'll try to describe it for you to kind of give you a summary. I'm not going to play it on this video because I can't because I'm on my phone. But but here's the deal. Basically, the, the video is one where <clears throat> uh, she's talking about being an activist for 25 years. Uh, she mentions that Black women are going to take, that we're taking over and we will lead this nation. And I was Raised by a long history of strong black women, you know things like that. I don't know if she was the exact term "strong black woman." Like I said, the ad—it's—is it right there on my Instagram? It's the Real Voice Watkins. And so here's what I did: I put the commercial up uh, just to see what other people thought about it because I wasn't sure what I was thinking. I give me a guess, of you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I try—I'm I really trying my best not to form opinions without really trying to sort of process all the information fairly right like i said you know i thought to myself i said how do i feel about this ad i don't know how i feel and uh you know and i know people have their preconceived you know expressions and feelings and whatever but i really sat there and i just watched it i watched it about four times and i was like how do I feel about this ad? And and so I put it up on my Instagram, uh, which my Instagram is right there. We have really we, we try to have intelligent conversations because I really am listening to you all to understand what's going on in the Black community. I like to have my finger on your the pulse of the people that I care about, and I care about intelligent Black people. And uh, and and I would just tell you like this: I put the ad up there, and I will tell you that a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of Black folks. In my space anyway. Now, again, you know, just so y'all know, I I tend to I tend to attract black people who feel like they were born on the wrong planet. Like, so if you're a black person who wonders if you were born on the wrong planet, then you probably fit in with me. Like when you look around and you see the ratchetry and the ignorance and the genocidal behavior, all the coonin like coonins at an all time high, the buffoonery, the ridiculousness. Like, you know, and you say, my God, Lord, please take me out of this planet because i can't take it like that's that's what i tend to appeal to because i i look around and i see a community that has been in a holding pattern for about probably 40 50 years like seriously i mean really y'all need some radical break out the bust through solutions because this whole like i'm gonna go and eat my chitlins and pray to jesus or Or we're gonna go get out on our knees in front of a white man talking about hands up, don't shoot. Like, please don't shoot me, officer. Like, you know, just I can't breathe. Just all these unempower, all this unempowering terminology, you know, backed by organizations that are pretty much LGBT front groups. I'm not down with none of that. I'm not down with any of that. It just bothers me. It's just weird to me. And I'm not saying Tamika. Is doing all that. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, I think there are a lot of good things about Tamika Mallory, and I'm not gonna and I'm I stand by that, right? I think there's good work Tamika's doing or she's tried to do. I think there's good work that Sean King has tried to do. I think there's good work that Crump and everybody else does that adds value, right? Like I think Black Lives Matter, it's you know, they they have added value in certain spaces, brought attention to certain issues. But then there's these little things that you kind of have to wonder about. Little things that you're picking up on where your spidey senses are like, okay, this ain't it. I don't know what it is, but this ain't it. You know, it's like 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 it's like almost there, but this ain't quite it. <clears throat> and that Cadillac commercial was a little bit weird. You know, I, I, I saw uh some of you uh, some of you mentioned that. Some of you mentioned that you didn't like the commercials. What if somebody used the term masculine? Or I, I think Crystal, Crystal Fowler says it looked like a like a Shea Moisture commercial. <laughs> that that I don't know. I've not seen a Shea Moisture commercial in a while, but it, it could maybe, maybe that's a good category. But but what I'm gonna do is actually mention some of what I saw, what some people were saying, and some of what I saw. And again, this is not a a diss or a bash on Tamika Mallory, because I, I like Tamika. You know, when I when I would go around Sharpton's shop and I would meet Tamika, uh, I liked Tamika. I did. Now, the, the problem, though, is that Tamika was heavily influenced by Sharpton, and I don't agree with Sharpton's approaches in the sense that I can't point to um, any substantive improvement in the conditions of Black people as a result of this. You know the civil rights industry you know this creation of civil rights superstars I I don't know give me a yes or no I haven't seen any substantive improvements I haven't seen this spike in black wealth I haven't seen you know some 10 trillion dollar reparations package coming through um, I've seen more crumbs I I, I see more um, feminism I see more gayness I see things like that which is fine but I'm not I'm not a feminist I'm not gay so the, you know I, it doesn't affect me so so i haven't really seen progress it doesn't to me come off as something that's liberating and uh and so so here's the deal uh, i'm going to open up another screen do me a favor hit the thumbs up button please take one moment hit the thumbs up share subscribe button if you haven't done it yet and there's my instagram it's the real boyce walkins that's where we started this conversation so feel free to go there all right so somebody said leave this sister alone yeah i agree let's leave this sister alone and let but let's talk about the facts okay so here's the deal. First things first. I think that the reason, if you recall, you know, Sean King has gotten a lot of heat over money and black lives matter has gotten a lot of heat over money. And, uh, if you saw, give me a yes or no, if you saw Samaria Rice, Tamir Rice's mother, basically kind of going off on him, Uh, and then you saw Michael Brown's father, Michael Brown, senior going off on black lives matter, going off on Tamika Mallory, going off on Sean King, and a lot of these people were basically saying, "Stop using our name. Like, stop using, uh, stop, stop pimping our pain. Stop going in here pretending like you're really changing our lives when you're really not. you know, stop coming in here and making yourself famous off of our struggle. You know, and uh, and 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 that that was interesting. Now, here's the thing. I I, I kind of actually agree with some of what Sean King said. When he said, "I'm not going to stop doing what I do," and I and I agree, I think he should do his thing and do what he does. But then I think the question needs to be asked: the the serious question needs to be asked of a Sean King or Tameka or anything. What's the goal? What is the objective? What is the objective? What are you? What are we accomplishing here? Are we simply? Are we simply dragging the black community from one trauma to to the next, so that we can sit here and talk about a news story? Like that's what it is. It becomes a news story. Let's talk about this one black person who died or this one white lady who called a black lady the N word or, or this one, you know, and and let's, let's you know, cyber attack this person. You know, someone say cyber bully. I don't care what you call it. Let's get that one white one toothless redneck fired, you know, from her job at KFC because she called a black lady, the N word. And then let's move on to the next, the next experience. Um, What is the goal? Uh, Okay. If the goal is awareness, well, then, yes, absolutely. There's awareness. Boom. Got it. Good job. We've established awareness. But what happens then? Like, Where are we going with this? And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm going to lie to you. I, I, I got off the trauma train a long time ago. I got off the trauma train. I got off the trauma drama train where every single day you go by and you're scrolling down your feed. I used to follow Sean King because he's from Kentucky. And uh, Sean was actually supposed to come on my podcast and I'm going to tell you what happened. I, we, we reached out to Sean King, invited him on and, uh, and we had a date set and everything. And then suddenly Sean was like, they, his team said he's sick. And he, and, and I asked my manager, I said, well, where is he? Did he reschedule? And they kind of ghosted us. She said, I think they might've ghosted us. And and, uh, and so, so that, so anybody who's saying you need to let Sean come on and share his point of view. Well, we did, we did invite him on and he chose not to come on. so, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I don't I I can kind of understand why. I, I probably might be a little bit nervous about talking to somebody like me, but you know, but but we did invite him in. And, you know, but the thing is, I, I did follow him and I supported him. You know, when the you know, I took a survey of, of you guys. Literally it was right down the middle, like literally almost 50-50. That in terms of you either like him or you don't you can't stand him. One or the other. Like it was so crazy, like right down the middle. And I was on the side of the people that said, you know, this guy is not so bad, that the good outweighs the bad. And I still stand on that side, you know, but at the same time, I did stop following him because I could, I got tired of every day having somebody trying to trigger my trauma. You know, I I got tired of every day, like, oh my God, this lady in a bakery in Manhattan got into an argument with a black clerk and told the black curtain, you can't have no donuts because you from, you know, because you're, you're black and, and your skin is too dark. Oh no. You know? And I just, I don't like that. I don't, I just get tired of the trauma train. You know, I get tired of you, you know, you go send me some video of something terrible happening to somebody. And I got to watch this video. And then I, you know, you elevate this person's name and celebrate this person. And, Talk about them like they're a God and and, and and the goal is to get justice for that one person and their family. We must get justice for, you know, whoever the person, fill in the blank, Brianna, George Floyd whomever. Now, these people, it's don't get me wrong. Right. Don't get me wrong. They deserve justice. No question about it. They deserve support. But once you get justice for Breonna Taylor, what's next, man? Like, OK, Brianna's mama got a 12 million dollar check. Great. Great. But what what happens then? Well, we just go to we get back on the trauma train so so you can bring up the next story that's gonna like make this gonna ruin our day. Like like what is it that you're trying to do other than simply manage uh and, 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 and do what some some have claimed this to be profiting from our pain. I'm not gonna be so mean to say that, but I am gonna say that it definitely becomes a drain. Give me a yes or no. Does anybody ever get drained? Like you just feel like every day they're just feeding you sadness and things to be miserable about and reminding you that you're nothing but a victim and that you just have to literally go through life worried that one day the police are going to bust into your house and murder everybody. Like, like, I don't know if anybody, I mean, you know, and and let's just keep it 100, right? Maybe I'm being too logical for some people and they're going to get mad at me. Emotional people get mad at me when I talk because I tend to focus on like logic and facts. I remember looking up, I said, how many, this, wow, this epidemic of, of, of unarmed black men being shot by the cops. This has got everybody on tilt. Like, what is the actual statistics? And do you know that less than 50 black men per year, sorry, less than 50 unarmed black men per year get killed by the cops? Less than 50. Now, those 50 deserve justice for sure, but this is far from the number one leading cause of death for black men. If you look up the top 10 causes of death for black people, that unarmed black man shot by the cop is not going to make the list. It's not it, it definitely gonna make the list ahead of shit like fried chicken and lizzo, the lizzo factor alone probably kills a, about a hundred thousand people a year. Like, seriously, like like the food we eat, my god, like seriously. I mean, you can't eat all that Popeyes chicken with your big greasy ass and then think that you're gonna be healthy just because you're protected from the police. Seriously. So I personally would say that if we if we're gonna get to the point where we're really trying to preserve Black life, and we're really trying to talk about Black life mattering, we got to talk about the places where Black life is being taken away. And so when you talk about police shootings, but you're not talking about what's happening in the prisons to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Black men and women that have been traumatized by prison rape or disease passed through prison, malnourishment and mental illness, and things like that that are being spread in the penitentiaries. If you're not talking about that, then you're not really talking about criminal justice. You know, you talk about the tip of the iceberg, but you refuse to talk about the iceberg. You know, or or if, you, if you're talking about Black life mattering and you're not talking about the fact that a dozen kids got shot in Chicago last week, I'm sure, maybe 20, 30, 40, but, but yet you'll talk all day about what one white officer did in another state. Well, that's a little bit disingenuous. You ain't telling the whole story. You ain't talking about everything. You're you're picking a specific area and making that your talking point, and so you're talking just to be talking, like you're just you're just you're just blowing smoke out your ass, just to blow smoke. You're not actually trying to achieve a goal. You're simply, you know, talking as you're talking around something where you're going to have the same problem every generation. So, so that's you know, I, I think that this whole civil rights thing that is is done in a really interesting way to the point where. Um, it's it's creating something that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs-up button, share button, subscribe button. And also, if you actually want to support this platform, you can. We have a Patreon. It's intelligentblackpeople.com. So feel free to go there. We'd love to have your support because um, our goal is to try to figure out how to actually solve problems, not just talk about them. Uh, and so uh, there's the URL. So hit the thumbs-up button. So let me let me kind of break something down here that's really interesting. This, uh, You know, I, I remember... Years ago, um, I worked with Al Sharpton on a case in um, Ohio, Uh, you know, because I I thought that what they were doing made sense until I decided that it just didn't. Uh, No disrespect to them, but it just wasn't my thing. Um, I tend to focus on trying to be a man of substance. I don't like the flash. I don't care about the flash. Doesn't mean I I can't appreciate the value of it. I just, that's just not what I live for. So uh, we were working on this case with this lady in Ohio by the name of Kelly Williams Bolar. And around 2009, I think that's when it was maybe 08, 010. I don't remember. Uh, Kelly had been sent to jail because she uh, sent her children to a school outside their district. So, uh, Al was tremendously helpful in terms of drawing attention to Kelly's case. No doubt about it. We talked about it on the radio. Uh, I I also went on Jesse Jackson's radio show and talked about it with, with Reverend Jackson. And so when I got to Ohio, we had a rally for Kelly. And during this rally, I came in and I spoke and Few people, most people didn't know who I was. They didn't give a shit. They just, you know, they they just politely, cl- politely clapped when I spoke. And then Al Sharpton gets up there and gives a rousing speech. He's such a great speaker. Very smart man. Very intelligent man. So during that day, somebody says, Reverend Sharpton would like to speak to you. And, uh, and I said, oh, he'd like to. Okay, sure. So I went back to the... Um, what was it? The, uh, the the preacher's office, whatever that church was, the, the preacher had allowed us to use his office. And so Reverend Sharpton in there and there's another guy and I was in there. And I remember that I'm not going to de- reveal every detail of that conversation, but it was a little bit strange because I got this sense that he felt uncomfortable over the fact that I had brought up Kelly's case on the Jesse Jackson show. It was almost like why did you bring it up on on Reverend Jackson's show before you brought it up on mine. And I was a little bit confused. I was like, "Wait a minute. Well, aren't we just trying to help this lady? Like isn't that the goal?" And it was almost like there was a competition. Like there's like a race, you know, like 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 it's a sport. You know, like like we want to be the first ones to break the story. We want to be the first ones to talk about it because we put the resources into the case. And 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 at and that and, and from that one conversation, I remember getting the sense that that unfortunately, civil rights and black suffering has become kind of an industry, right? It's become like NASCAR or something, or maybe um, you know, maybe like the healthcare profession. Like in the health or entertainment. There we go, Jerry. Jerry. Wow, Jerry, great word. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry gave me my word. Entertainment. Um, entertainment in the sense that it is designed to heighten and trigger your senses to get you to get caught up in something right to get your attention right like cnn we scare you uh studies show that media outlets deliberately work to scare you because they know that fear will sell um with black people you got so many people that literally live their lives as frightened little bug-eyed slaves where literally every single thing that you can scare them with will lead them to vote for your favorite politician it will get black folks to turn on the tv and watch your channel or follow whatever it is you want them to follow and uh, and so so this sort of constant triggering uh, you know as, a, as almost like a type of entertainment or, or talking a conversation starter it, it reminds me of the healthcare industry because the healthcare industry their goal is not to heal anything their goal is not to make the nation healthy their goal is to simply manage the illness that already exists they they are the same people that they will sell you, donuts in the front of the grocery store and then sell you diabetes medication in the back of the grocery store so with the civil rights industry or civil rights incorporated you what you start to see is a sort of repeating pattern where it's like okay what's the case what's the big case that we're gonna all talk about this week or what's the big social justice issue we're all gonna discuss now and and there's no sort of end goal you know like i'm um you know, as a mathematician i'm always looking for the solution i'm always saying okay where's the what's the end game when do we go to level two like a video game you know like you guys know i play video games so you're always like okay we we've been on level one forever when do we get to level two well i think that for black people you must ask yourselves that question uh, Do do you really feel that your community uh due to all of this you know has gone from level one to level two say in the past 10 20 30 years uh, in some areas we've made progress. I think in the area of wealth and economics, we've made a lot of progress. you know now we got black folks starting businesses, uh, you know investing in stocks, making all kinds of owning real estate, making all kinds of moves, right and and that really came from the the black nationalists that came from the do-it-yourselfers. that really came from the people uh, that are in this space where you uh, I'm talking about the b1 type people, the people that said we're gonna solve our own problems. We ain't caring about these politicians. We ain't going to wait for white Jesus to, to do nothing. White daddy ain't doing nothing. We're doing it ourselves. And and I will tell you, the do-it-yourselfers have accomplished a lot, a lot more than the black folks who are just waiting on white folks to handle some more crumbs. And so uh, so that's, that's one thought there. But the other thought that's interesting about this Tamika Mallory Cadillac commercial is it creates this interesting paradox that you run into. Uh, one thing I don't talk about much because most people don't even understand what I'm talking about. It Honestly, it goes over a lot of people's heads, but I, but you guys are smart, so I'm going to test this out on you. A lot of your civil rights movements were driven by heavy socialist, communist, Marxist ideology. Now, this is not anti-socialism, anti-communism, anti-Marxism, anti-capitalism. There are, is actually, there are actually beneficial ideas in every single category. I'm not a person who screams and hollers when I hear the word socialist, but I'm not a person who also screams and hollers when I hear the word capitalist. Um, I understand capitalism very well. I understand socialism, communism, and Marxism reasonably well. I've read up on it. And I think that the extremes are very unhealthy, honestly. I think that you need a little bit of socialism so your society doesn't become a bunch of greedy capitalist pigs, but you also need some free enterprise. You need businesses. You need money. You need money as an engine to drive innovation, to drive motivation, to drive opportunity, to drive growth. You, you need that. You need these things, right? So um, so, so one of the, the, the problems with a lot of your civil rights movements is that a lot of these movements were, you know, they had a black face on the front, but in the background, there was in many cases a white, liberal, communist, socialist, Marxist, anarchist, Antifa-type person who was kind of driving all of that. You know, uh, some person in the background who was from the deep, deep left who was basically saying, we want to utilize this uh, long-held Black pain. Again, everybody trying to use Black pain to leapfrog themselves forward. We're going to utilize Black pain as an opportunity to push our agenda forward. Black Lives Matter is a walking case in point. A lot of y'all who are smart, like those T. Little who are staying woke, read who went to the BlackLivesMatter.org website and read what Black Lives Matter was actually all about, could see right through exactly what they were doing. They said, "Okay, we get this. This is an LGBT feminist leftist sort of operation that has basically put on some black makeup and they they put on they 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 put on the blackface." And they're, they're using the, utilizing the language that we use with each other to get us to join up with whatever they're doing. They're like, oh, by the way, since, you, since we're all being pro-black, here, here's some gay stuff, too. Like, take that, too. Right. Which is in contrast, unfortunately, with many of the fundamental beliefs that millions of black people have when it comes to the black family. I personally now, mind you, though, mind you, I am a person who does believe that we need to uh, seek to understand. Uh, those who are in our community who do feel left out, like I know, I know a lot of people in the LGBT space who who love them, some Black folks who love their community, who are hurt, sincerely hurt by the fact that there are some of our people who cannot simply allow people to be who they are, right? And 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 that that bothers me too. You know, people disowning their son because he's gay and all. I I I don't get with none of that. I'm about love and about positivity. I'm not about hating somebody just for who they are. That's not fun for me. So, so with that said, though, um, you know, that, that leftist influence, what that, here's what that does. Let me explain what that does, how that leftist influence uh, harms your ability to move forward. First of all, it harms you because you're not really freeing yourself from anything, right? You say we're gonna free ourselves from the racism of capitalism. We're gonna free ourselves from those racist capitalists, that white man who who I work for, that old dirty racist capitalist, and we're gonna liberate you from him. Okay, well, guess what? Now you just got a different pimp. Now instead of your pimp being some uh white capitalist that you work for, it becomes the Democratic Party. It becomes somebody, you know, on the left who's pimping you in the same way they call calling you homophobic because you tell them that you believe what your pastor tells you at church. Or they tell you that your black men ain't shit and the black women need to be feminists. And they tell, they tell you the, the, the black family ain't no big deal and you need to start doing all these weird things that these, these people on the left like to do. A lot of black folks I know are not down with that. And it doesn't fit their culture. And the other part of this, too, is there's something about that deep left ideology that you got to be careful about that vilifies wealth. It vilifies rich people. It vilifies business owners, you know, where if you are wealthy, you are the devil. You are bad automatically. That's it. Right. And so so here's the problem. Here's where this affects the Shine Kings and, and the Tamika Mallorys and others. This is why the Tamika Mallory Catterlite commercial makes me laugh. So so what happens is that you get people that follow you who start to believe that there is purity in poverty. They, they start to believe this nonsensical, ridiculous notion that says that if you are working on behalf of the black community, you must be deep, dirt, piss poor and have a bank account with zero dollars and zero cents in it. You must be broke and struggling in order for you to be down. If you ain't struggling like the rest of us, if you ain't broke, if your kids ain't hungry and walk around with shoes with 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 holes in them, then that means that you are a fraud. Right? That that's what, and that's what Sean King ran into. Is people who were literally scraping through every single thing he'd ever done to see if he made a penny. And if he'd made 10 cents from all that work he's done, then that will make him a fraud. I didn't agree with that logic because how many of you go to work? How many of you would want to go to work and work 40 hours a week? For five straight years, don't put 10,000 hours of labor into the corporation and then have somebody say, Well, if you really care about the company, then you wouldn't have asked for a paycheck. If you really cared about this job, you you wouldn't be asking for a paycheck for your job. Everybody in here, give me a yes or no. If I asked you to do a thousand hours of work for me, would you expect compensation? Give me a yes or no. If I asked you to go work for me eight hours a day, seven days a week, for the next five years, would you expect some sort of compensation for that? Or would you say, Well, no, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my kids starve so I can show them down with the cause? Right? It, it's crazy, it's stupid. So I'm sitting here just cracking up, watching Sean literally giving like all this, all these receipts and all this documentation to try to prove that he ain't made a nickel, and I'm like, bro, if I I'm not into Sean King's work like that. I kind of see certain parts of it that I'm not with. But you know what? If I was down with this guy, I would want to make sure that he was good financially so he could do more of the work. Think about this. If a comedian tells you jokes, you don't have a problem paying a ticket price to hear the comedian talk. You'll pay for jokes, but you won't pay for activism. If if, if you you see an entertainer that, that showed you a good movie, you'll pay for the movie. If you go to the club and they charge you $20 to get in the club, you'll pay to get in the club. Why would you pay for the club, pay for comedy, pay for a movie, but you won't pay for your activists? That's crazy. That's insanity. That's weird to me. I'm sorry. That's very weird to me. And then here's what, here's the real paradox. Here's the part that makes me laugh. You know, when, when they make fun of me, like, oh, you're just a big capitalist. I First of all, I'm not a capitalist. I think capitalism in its extreme leads to greed and various forms of oppression and slavery. And and it's just not fun to be a pure capitalist because basically your goal is to eat up all the resources and to compete with everybody and to always be number one and always have the, all the entire market share and dominate and oppress like, like no I did I, that, that, that idea those ideas just don't appeal to me, right? But when I do get attacked for that, I ca- here's where I laugh. So you're allowing this socialist leftist, marxist communist ideology. And all the baggage that comes with it, all the gayness and everything else, there, the feminism that comes with it, the destruction of the family that comes with it, to infiltrate your, your black movements. And then what happens is your activists end up being dirt poor. But then guess what? At some point, the activist got to feed his kids. The activist children, they're not going to go hungry just so you can go fight the power. They're going to be like, Daddy, I need some new shoes. And guess What happens? you end up having to do what Tamika Mallory's doing and you got to go work for the capitalist in order to put money in the bank account. So so, so you're you, you doing, next thing you know, you're doing like Al Sharpton who was selling, um, I don't know if he was selling Rogaine hair for men or, it was something, no, it was something to help you increase your um, sperm count. I, I swear to God, it was literally something, he was doing a commercial for men who couldn't get it up or some vitamin that men take that would help them, like, and then I think I remember. I don't know if it, if Sharpton did this though, so I'm not gonna pin, pin this on him. But but there was another one that was doing a commercial for like payday loans or something, right? So 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 that's the funny part. And then and then on the on the ground level, all the activists that you know are carrying picket signs all weekend because you're trying to fight the power, but yet somehow you believe that money is evil. So we're not gonna talk about money. We're not gonna involve money in what we're doing. Guess what? On Monday you got to put down your picket sign and you got to go work. For a capitalist, right? So you got to go. You're like, well, I would, I would be out protesting with y'all today, but I can't cause I got, I got to go to work today. I got, to, I got a job at Ford. So, so you obviously need these so-called capitalist devils on some level for you to survive, and and that's why I think it's okay. You know, again, intelligent black people can do, we can do this. I think it's okay for us to do this. I might piss some people off when I do this, but I have a PhD. I'm not a stupid man. So I believe I have the license to do this. I think we need to question everything. Question everything. You everything, even things that are sacred, it's important for you to look back and say, okay, let's rebuild this from scratch. Let's look at everything you did and let's figure out the parts that worked and the parts that didn't work. So for example, the Black Panther Party was an amazing movement, extraordinary, brilliant, all of that. But one of the failings of the party or one of the challenges that I saw was that maybe if they'd had an economic component where they re- were able to ethically raise money to support the movement they would have been able to strengthen the movement right again you you're sure you had infiltration and all that well guess what white people ain't gonna stop being white they'll ne- they'll never stop playing defense if you go into a football game at my athletes and my soldiers that are in here understand this if you ever go and invade, somebody else's territory and you shoot you pull out the gun and shoot at them you are a damn fool if you don't think they're going to shoot back like right like only 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 victim minded you know victim minded activists who believe that they're in a protected class believe that you can go around attacking everybody and not have somebody call you on your shit and come back at you right so they're going to shoot back they're going to try to infiltrate like that's what they're going to do you know if you play in a football game you can't go on the field and think that the other team, well we we would have won the game, but every time we threw the ball down the field, they tried to intercept it. Well, that's what they're supposed to do. That right there tells me you don't know nothing about power if you don't know how to fight. Fighting means that you're gonna get hit in the mouth. Stop it. Stop whining. So, I would just say that if you look at the Black Panther party, for example, Yes, there was an infiltration. Yes, the white man was being white, J. Edgar Hoover. We know all of that, right? But one of the things I remember seeing with the Black Panther Party was I saw where they they had the free lunch program. And I remember saying, that shouldn't have been the free lunch program. That should have been maybe the 10-cent lunch program. Or maybe that would be the free lunch program if you really ain't got it. But if you got a little bit of money, we're going to make you pay 50 cent for that lunch. Because here's what would happen. Everybody would go by the free lunch program and get the free food. And then half those people that got the free food from y'all is going to go right across the street to the white man's liquor store or the white man's grocery store or the white man's sneaker store and give him your money. Right. They, they, they're going to give him the $10 that he had in his pocket. Oh, well, your lunch is free. Well then shoot them. Then I'll take it. I'll take the free lunch. Well, no, no, free breakfast. I'm sorry. free. I said free lunch. I meant to say free breakfast. Say the free breakfast program. Stop, you know, and, and one of the limitations of that communist, socialist, Marxist ideology that heavily influences many of our um, civil rights activism is that somehow they just really think black people are supposed to be poor and broke. They really, like, like really, you want to talk about economics. They don't even want to hear nothing about no economics. And that's what we need, our economics. That, that's the only way you can keep black folks from having to go work for white people every day. I, I remember I went to a, a, an um, an event and I'm trying to, I'm trying to rock with some of the activists and, and support and, and I do and I like these people they're very smart but you know I'm from a business school they were more on the, in the liberal arts side side of things and I remember I said here's what black people need to do. You, y'all know how I do. I said, look, we need to learn how to start businesses in our own community. We need to invest and own assets. We need to own the real estate in our community, blah, blah, blah. And the guy next to me literally just said, he said, all of that was BS. We're on a panel together, right? And this guy literally says, all that's BS. What we need to do is we need to take down capitalism. Just take down capitalism in America. I'm like, Negro. Like, do we really got to take down capitalism and end all poverty in order for our people to rise up? Like, really? Like, are you really carrying the white man's load like that heavy to the point where you really have totally forgotten about what we're trying to do? Like, no, I'm not trying to do all that. I don't do all that on your spare time. I'm trying to strengthen the black community. I'm trying to keep black children alive. I'm trying to get black men to love black women, get black women to respect and love black men Get make sure our kids are safe. Make sure they ain't out here struggling. Make sure they ain't out here getting abused on the job by white folks. Making sure they ain't they ain't getting killed or getting sent off to jail. And making sure we have a community. Making sure we can hold it down and fortify ourselves. I'm not really trying to take on whatever bullshit you read in some you know 1920s Russian Marxist communist literature where you're, you're calling everybody comrade and all that stuff. I'm not hating on it. That's fine. Like, And I didn't mean to call it bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't do that. That's very that's disrespectful. I don't want to do that. I apologize for that. But I just got to say, like, come on, man. Seriously. I remember I had a person who said something to me like, like I and, I and that's why I'm not big on these alliances. You know we're supposed to have all these allies and everything. They're like, oh, we work with our allies and, and, and people of color. You know we're never black anymore. We can become people of color. Well, we're, well, you know as a, as a person of color, we need to get with our allies so that we can make sure all black and brown people and all Latinx people and immigrants and but and, and they I mean they literally throw everybody in there but the kitchen sink. Like like uh, and all the, the the transgender and bi and elder like <laughs> and then and then I remember the and, and the. Person And I said, yeah, I just want black people. I want us to get people's foot off our neck and I want us to have some power. And she said, no, what we really need to do. It was a white woman. She said, what we really need to do, boys, is we need to end poverty. We need to end all poverty in America. I'm like, and so I remember thinking I was 19 years old. I remember thinking, wait a minute. So I got to end all poverty in order to help my people. Like, really? I, I don't think I can do that, but I can help. I can help black people like figure out a way to get jobs. Like I can help black people. Um, I can help us. I can help. A, I talk to fathers about being there for their kids. Like, how about we start there? You know, and I really think that we um, lose focus, you know, and, and who knows, maybe you can accuse me of losing focus in this conversation. I'm kind of giving you guys a stream of consciousness, but the the thing that's hilarious to me about Tamika Mallory's Cadillac commercial is that, you know, is that I wonder? Like, I would almost argue that the reason that you have activists that have to do things like this is because we somehow believe that it's criminal to financially provide for the activists that we support. Um, I am a, I'm a fan of Tamika Mallory to a point. You know, like I really, um, I I don't agree with everything. I'm not into all the allies and stuff. I mean, she she runs in spaces I don't want to run. I do not want to be on the Grammys. I do not want to be hanging out with these white feminist organizations. I think the women's I think the National Organization for Women booted or something or something because she was down with Farrakhan. I give her props for standing by Farrakhan. But but I don't understand why you would want to spend time with with, with those people in the first place. I don't think I think that that racism, that white supremacy is everywhere. And I think that the interesting thing that we don't seem to get is that white supremacy doesn't just exist in the Republican Party. When you're letting white supremacists tell you where the white supremacy is at. That right there is your biggest mistake. You're letting the white supremacist Democrats tell you that the only white supremacists in the room are the white supremacists in the Republican Party. So you literally have one man who's got, you know, who's who's got his thing up your butt who's telling you, look out for the rapists. The rapist is over there. Like and, and, and it makes us look so stupid. It's the most hilarious thing to me that we don't actually see the white supremacy that exists on the left and the right. Well, why is that? Well, because those are white owned institutions. The Republican party is a white owned institution. The democratic party is a white owned institution. And I guess, you know, we we know about the lesser two evils babble and all that stuff. And I just say, well, why, where's our confidence? why don't we believe we can do things by ourselves? Why do we think we can only move forward with an ally? And it has to be a lack of confidence. Let me tell you why. Let me use myself as an example. I play. I like to play um, video games. I, I know you guys um, probably think that's like ridiculous and immature, but I've, I've discovered that, in, that maturity is just highly overrated. I encourage you to just be yourself. So on my Twitch channel, every day, I talk about stocks with the young, young people that come in. And we also play this game called Call of Duty. Call of Duty is a crazy game. It's like explosions and you're killing people and also some of you that follow me know that i've been doing this well i'm not very good but i got a homie i met a lot of the brothers started hitting me up on 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 my twitch channel and xbox and follow me and connect with me and they were teaching me how to play the game so i I met a dude named g g g macula is his name on the game g Maculus marcus the great there's a lot of brothers my son they've all helped me learn how to play so that i'm not so bad well when i play call of duty I don't have the confidence to do things by myself. Like when I play by myself, I don't quite know what to do. I don't move forward with the same amount of confidence because I'm still learning the infrastructure. But when I play with G, I become very confident because G takes the lead. If you ever watch me play, like go to my Twitch channel, watch our last game. We won our first Uh, Battle Royale, it's called Battle Royale, where they literally dropped like 40, 50 people into a war zone and you have to kill everybody. And G and I were the last two people left. We got number one. It's my first time ever winning. I was so proud, I swear. One of my greatest accomplishments ever. And, um, and, uh, but the whole game, I was following G around. I was stumbling around like a dumb little kid. I didn't quite know exactly what to do because I'd never, I was in a space I'd never been to before. Uh, I needed G to lead me. And without him leading me, I didn't know what I was doing, and I think that for Black people, you it, when it comes to battling white supremacy, we have the same confidence issues that I have when it comes to playing Call of Duty. Uh, we feel like we need leaders. We feel like we need um, not just our Black leaders, but we need our Black leaders to be appointed by our white leaders. Do you follow what I'm saying? We, we don't. We don't. We're not just following the leading Blacks that are on TV, which I think is a very bad idea. But we tend to only follow the leading blacks that are put on TV if they were appoint, appointed by the leading whites that we look to as our allies. We take our cues from our allies. So if they start talking about immigrants and getting pissed off about immigrants, we start talking about immigrants. If they start talking about violence against Asians, we, then suddenly we talk about violence against Asians. But think about it. The Asian stuff, when nobody talking about this two months ago? But now that they're talking about it on CNN, now everybody's talking about it. I'm not talking about it. I'm not. I'm just not talking about it. Not because I don't care, but, but well, you know what? Scratch that. I really don't give a shit. But it's not. It's not because I hate anybody. It's just I got other things to do. Like I don't know, raising my children. Um, I don't know, loving my black woman. I don't know, like paying the bills up in this month. I ain't got time to be worried about whatever CNN decides is going to be the flavor of the month, whatever they choose as their trigger of the month, their trauma of the month. So I, I, would, I, I think that with black folks. It's confidence. Right. And so the divide that you have in the community is you have to do for self types who are seen as crazy people, because I give us props because we've got the, the the ignorant pride. and I call it ignorant pride because who knows, maybe if we really thought about it more, we would actually double, you know, like like question ourselves or or second guess what we're trying to do we're, because we're trying to do the impossible. Right. We're the ones who believe that whatever white people do, we can do, it not only do it, but we can do it better. We can build the billion-dollar corporation. But then, you know, but then the, the people on the left are right when they say, when they're like, well, how are you going to do it? You ain't got no capital. How can, you be, how can you compete against capitalists? You don't have any capital. And I'll be sitting there thinking, yeah, they're actually right. We don't have any capital. But then it's kind of like, you know, that's where faith kind of steps in. And that's where you say, you know what, there's a point where you kind of have to let go. You know, the Christians say let go and let God. Well, there's been many times in my life where I literally let go and let God. Like, I let go and I allowed the universe to guide me to the success I'm supposed to have. Like, I would say, you know, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get what I need, but I know I got to get the hell up out of here. Like, I know I got to quit this job. I know I've got to get out of here. And I don't even know how I'm going to survive. But I do believe that if there's a will, There is a way. Right. And and that's where I talk about, you know, when I talk about you guys kind of being what I call the talented 10th. To me, the talented 10th is basically those Negroes who have the audacity to believe that we can build institutions on our own. You know, who have the audacity to believe that not only can we reclaim our families, but we can build our businesses, we can earn our assets, we can fight gentrification, even though white folks coming in with you know a trillion dollars in the bank right like i i i don't know how we're going to solve every problem but i don't worry about that all i know is i'm not trying to be anybody's slave right and i think that there are those who are more practical maybe these are the ones who have more sense who say look why fight it you might as well surrender you might as well instead of just trying to do things on your own why not just go ahead and slide you know integrate your way into this system Find a more comfortable set of white supremacists to bow to. You know, let's go do this Cadillac commercial, get this paper, right? Like Cadillac is a good partner. These is good white folks. Let's go find some good white folks and let's just get get down with them and uh we you know, and take the little crumbs they offer. You know, get let's get down with the Democrats. You know, yeah, Joe Biden put a hundred thousand black men in prison, but we don't we don't have too many cards to play with. So 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 really some would actually say that they're actually smarter than we are, that they're more logical than we are. Right. And I think that's fine. Right. If you think about it, they'll process this. Right. I mean, this is really good stuff to me. I I don't know. Maybe it's not, but I'm gonna keep talking. But I think about like my soldiers. Right. Like, like I have a lot of military types that follow me and I love all my soldiers. Thank you for your service, by the way. Shout yourselves out if you served in the military, because I will never disrespect a soldier. And anybody who disrespects soldiers can really just kiss my entire butt because, you know, you ain't got the guts to go out there and put your life on the line for nothing. So just sit down and be quiet. But but the thing about being a soldier that's really interesting is that to some extent, if you process it right, it's not always that rational. Right. I mean, think about it. If you're in a a platoon and you're fighting in the Vietnam War or World War Two or something like, like you might have a you might get orders from a commander that where they're literally sending you to die. Right. Or, or you're going into a battle and, you know, 30 percent of y'all ain't going to make it you're back. You know, 30 percent of y'all or you might die before you even get to shore. You know, like, I mean, have you ever watched those documentaries? I, I'm obsessed with I I watched World War II documentaries over and over and over again because I, I just war is really interesting to me. And, and I'm just like, what kind of courage does it take to like go storm a beach and to know? that, your, that the, half your buddies might get popped in the head before they even get off the damn boat. You got to be crazy to do things like that, but it's necessary, right? Like crazy people like us are necessary. You got to have those crazy sons of bitches who are willing to make the sacrifice and bust through the wall and create opportunities that are going to be better for other people, right? You need those black people that are willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna take a chance on going broke so that I can create a new path for my people. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to bow. I'm going to fight to the death because even if I go down, somebody's going to benefit. My kids are going to learn something from from what I learned. Like somebody's going to live better because I made this sacrifice. And what I have found is that people who do that, and this is why I love people who have that whole do-it-yourself, do-for-self kind of mindset. I'm talking about like, the, my brothers in the Nation of Islam and sisters in the Nation of Islam. I'm talking about uh, people that follow me from the, um, uh, you know, from um, uh, Hebrew Israelites and and just some of the others. You know, you know, they make fun of the conscious community. I don't make fun of the conscious community because I think the only alternative to con- being conscious is to be unconscious. I don't want to be unconscious, right? So, so for those in that community who are doing this, um, I think it takes a couple of things. You have to have a lot of courage, and you got to have a lot of strength and a lot of skill. People who have courage, strength, and skill tend to lean in that do-it-yourself category because they're the ones who say, "Um, I don't want to ride in this car anymore. Let me take the wheel. Or I cannot ride this bus anymore. I'm getting off the bus. I will find another ride. Right? And it takes courage, strength, and skill to be able to do that. So the people who don't have courage Are not going to align with a do it yourself ideology. They're going to align with integration because they're going to want to keep, they're going to want to play it safe and go ahead and fold, right? Um, The people that don't have strength, the ones who buckle easy, who get scared, um, you know, are going to want to fold. Those who don't have skill, meaning black folks who were never trained and prepared and taught how to start businesses or grow their own food or make their own money, are going to fold, right? So ultimately, you are the talented tenth. Like those of you, and and, I, and I'm sure there's some people in there that, in here that don't agree with what I'm saying, and I'm sure they're, they're they're saying this and saying that. But I also see myself as part of the talented tenth, which is why I can ignore you. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I, it's fine. Like I kind of I like like you know when you go into these battles that you're gonna get opposition. You know that everybody isn't gonna like it. I'm not talking to the people who don't like it. I'm talking to the people who do. I'm talking to the. I like to preach to the choir. I'm preaching to those who believe in something better, and also those who have the courage to look back at all these civil rights movements and these civil rights superstars and all this other nonsense and say, you know, this is just silly. This is silly. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button, and uh, I'll make a final point on Tamika Mallory and this, because that was actually the original conversation start point. I just kind of kept going in the stream of consciousness to kind of share some ideas that I hope will, will, will give you strength. You know, like like for example, I it was a great honor, it was one of the greatest honors of my life to get a chance to even play some small part in what ice cube was doing, you know, in the last election. Um, and, and I felt like, you know what, I'm not Ice Cube. You you're Ice Cube, you have a bigger platform than me, but I must I support you if I can be an advisor, I'd love to do that. And I love unapologetic blackness. Like I love it when you just step forward and say, we don't know what the future bl- blueprint's going to look like, but we do know that this is not acceptable. And I think that that kind of unreasonableness is exactly what you need in order to negotiate properly. And so with, uh, with the thing, thing with Tamika, again, I told you guys from the beginning, I wasn't here to make fun of Tamika Mallory for doing the Cadillac commercial. I can just say that based on what I saw on my Instagram, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people feel that, the, um, that, that it was a little bit weird. Because uh, and there's my my Instagram. If you want to go there and check the comments or or join the conversation, uh, I'll leave it up there for a while at the top of the feed. I'm gonna go take a nap. But the thing was that I think that what people are trying to figure out is what the hell does buying a Cadillac have to do with social justice? I think that becomes the first question I would ask: Is what does buying a Cadillac have to do with social justice? Um, if you are in that space, you know that that Black Lives Matter space. Where Black Lives Matter, by the way, was started, I I believe two or three of the founders of Black Lives Matter, so-called founders, I'm sure they're getting money from somewhere because they won't tell you. Notice, Black Lives Matter won't tell you who a lot of their donors are. Uh, That that says a lot. That lack of transparency um, makes you wonder where, well, where's where are your million-dollar donations coming from? Where's your real big money coming from? Uh, And who positioned you to have that sort of influence? I don't think that happens by accident, but. but the thing is, is, you know, so you've got your activists now aligning with uh, these capitalist entities like Cadillac. Uh, you know, there's nothing about buying a Cadillac that does anything for anybody that's ever been shot by the police. There's nothing about buying a Cadillac that does anything for anyone other than maybe the black elite who can afford Cadillacs. Right. Some of you can buy Cadillacs. I think that's fine. I don't care if you like Cadillacs or not. The Cadillacs are, are nice cars. Right. Um, also, uh, the the thing about the civil rights industry is It does, you know, when you started seeing the civil rights activists performing at the Grammys and getting awards at these, you know, at the the Academy Awards and stuff like that, what you're really seeing is is a little bit of what appears to be like a co-opting, where the world is kind of saying, okay, we'll invite certain people into this space in order to keep from really having to deal with the issue, in order to keep from really having to deal with the communities. And when you had Mike Brown, And uh, Tamir Rice's mother saying clearly, stop using our name, stop using our pain to make yourselves famous. That clearly says that there needs to be a bigger conversation. What that really says is that there's kind of an elitism forming where there are people who are saying, you know, the, the people at the top, the Tamika Mallorys and the Ben Crumps, et cetera, who are moving sort of from case to case, who are kind of saying, look, we got this. We should have control of this. But Ultimately, Tamir Rice's mother is the source of all of your social justice fuel. You know, Mike Brown's case, that is the source of your social justice fuel. So if you can't sort of operate in a way that is consistent with their wishes or to their satisfaction, then it would lead one to wonder what is the goal? What is the objective? you know what what is really happening here? And are you simply managing um, like like again like the healthcare industry, are you simply managing black trauma, in a way that leads to tremendous economic benefit for yourselves, uh, maybe for Black Lives Matter. I know Black Lives Matter raised that $90 million, and then they formed uh this um foundation of this global network that and separated itself from the activist organization. So that led a lot of people to say, what's happening here? Like, you know, and, and it's ironic to me, what's also ironic to me about this though. Is that the Black Lives Matter founders? I believe at least one of them, maybe all three of them, um, are Marxists, right? Which is against sort of this capitalist elite sort of mindset, right? But the first thing they did when big money came into the picture is they detached themselves from the grassroots organization. So it's it, it makes it's almost like a little bit like a like a Derek Jackson kind of thing where he spends all his time preaching against cheating and cheating's bad, cheating's bad, black men are, you know, black men who cheat are garbage. And then you find out that he's doing all kinds of cheating. Well, in a way with Black Lives Matter, for them to sort of be sort of this anti-capitalist organization, but then to behave just like capitalists, when capital is on the table, it it really speaks to, um, you know, sort of a conversation that needs to be had. It doesn't mean I'm saying that they're doing anything sinister or illegal or bad, or that they're no good for the world. It just means that sometimes when you are a little bit too self-righteous, you can get caught up in the middle of your own bullshit. Like you can literally create a bed that you can't even sleep in yourself. You know, Tiger Woods did it. Bill Cosby did it. A lot of people do that, right? So so just, I think it's important to be careful about that. The other thought about Tamika Mallory, and again, this is not a Tamika Mallory bash piece at all. This is not about bashing her. I don't care if Tamika does her Cadillac commercial. I just wanted to see what people thought. On my Instagram, a lot of people didn't like it, and you can go read those comments. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about this ad was I remember seeing, I saw Tamika, she's wearing this pant, this pant suit. Um, there was a lot of talk about black women leading the nation. Black women are taking control I come from a line of strong Black women. And I got this sense that this is, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people, I don't know if that was the intention, but a lot of people felt like this was, in again, in alignment with the Black Lives Matter, feminist, LGBT, gender war-based sort of ideology, uh, an assault against Black men. It felt like something where it's like, um, how I was explaining, when when Ice Cube stepped in, and demanded something for the black community from the Biden administration. And black people were fighting against Ice Cube harder than white people were, which is about the sickest, most ridiculous crap I've ever seen in my life. Well, a lot of that comes from this idea that they see the black community as a community with no men. They see you as a feminized community. You know, they, they literally see your men as a big pack of bitches, uh, as a big pack, pack of worthless, no nothing irrelevant non-entities right? That's what they see when they look at the black community. When they wanted to get elected, uh, they didn't really, they, they turned to gay black men and they turned to black women. And then, it, it's, you know, it's just, so Stacey Abrams becomes the greatest hero in America because she saved America by getting Biden and Kamala Harris into the White House. So effectively what occurs, and the reason so many black men feel disrespected by this and they're, they're just kind of annoyed by it, is that we're not really out here sort of promoting this idea that Black men or Black women should be put ahead of the collective. We're here to talk about the Black family. We're here to talk about something that people like Joe Biden and his mass incarceration and the things like the war on drugs took away from Black people. It took away the family, right? So when you got the women out here putting their balls on the table, like stepping out here like dudes, like like looking like a pack of linebackers, you know, like we going to kick everybody. We going to, we going to fuck y'all up, man. We going we going to, we going to come out here and get it. We leading y'all. And, 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 and you, there's no mention of the family, no mention of the men, no mention of anything other than the women. I don't know if that was the intention, right? Cause we know we can, we can honor the hell out of black women. We should, we absolutely should. But my goodness, like, you know, it, it, it's almost like somebody coming into your house. It's like, if somebody came in my house. And they were trying to make a deal with our family and they were trying to get something from our family. And they came in and they walked right. And the guy walks right past me and shakes Alicia's hand and talks to Alicia and doesn't even acknowledge me. How many seconds do you think it would take for me to want to put a chokehold on that son of a bitch and dry, throw him out the front door? Like, so the, how, how, like, how, how quick do you think I will be ready to snap on that? Like seriously, like a man gonna walk right past you, and then start talking to the woman as if you're not even there. Well, that's not respectful, right? So, so I I think that that's what the commercial, that's what I was picking up on. A lot of people had that vibe. I had to watch it three times, maybe five times to really, I said, boys, how do you feel about this? And why does this bother you? Is it be? It's not because you don't want to see black women win. We all want to see black women win. It's not because you don't have an admiration for black women getting the master's degrees and the PhDs and the MDs and all that. I think it's sort of this idea that people think that people like me ain't shit. I don't like that. And when people tell me, well, y'all brothers need to step up to the plate I can't control what every black man does. I have some influence. I can share what I know. But I can't control what every man does. All I know is I do step up to the plate. And 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 you know when you talk about, you know, Stacey Abrams and and what you know she represents and again it's like the black woman sort of being presented as either someone who is asexual, like Stacey Abrams. I don't I haven't seen any conversation about a husband a man in her space at all, or she's like uh, Kamala Harris and Meghan Markle, like marrying a marrying a white guy, right? Um, I'm not really seeing a lot of scenarios where you're really talking about the black family reemerging as a power force. Now, again, this isn't something white people are ever going to give us. This is something you're going to have to take, right? You're going to have to you're going to have to create that narrative and maintain that narrative. They're not going to give you permission to do that. They're not going to ever want to see the black family emerge as a unified force, because that would be a threat to white supremacy, because that that means that you're moving away from integration, which actually fuels the economic engine of white supremacy, right? Integration fuels their engine. When you're going, when you're giving all your wealth to go in debt to their universities, to get a bachelor's degree that can get you, that only gets you a $50,000 a year job, that's fueling their education industry. When you're taking in their media, that's fueling their media. When you're going to work for their corporations, you're fueling their corporate engine. So for when the black family emerges and they say things like, not only are we unified, but we're building family businesses and we, you know, which means we're not spending time working for you. We're working for ourselves. Me and my woman each have our own businesses. You know, we, I don't work for nobody. Alicia has a job at the university, but she's also a business owner and we're raising our children to build their own. We're not raising our kids to go work for white people. They just, that's not, that's not in the action plan. doesn't mean they won't do it. They can do what they want to. I don't care. I'm not going to stop them, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell them like, well, son, the best thing you can do is go get a job and hope that the hope that they like your resume enough, son <laughs> maybe they'll maybe mr charlie will give you an opportunity <laughs> we don't do that goofy shit in our house we don't do that like it's like no if you want it you, we go fight for it and if you want to fight get together with your people make a pack with your people all everything you need is right here in this house you ain't got to leave this family for you to be successful and for you to find what you need you have enough brilliance right here in this house we, we, we ain't no, we ain't no, we're, we're no less worthy than the Rothschilds. We are no less worthy than the Carnegie's or, or the Bushes or any wealthy fam. the Rockefellers. We are the black Rockefellers. We just might not have the money yet, <laughs> but we, we gonna get that. Just give us a generation. You know, in fact, I, I've told you guys, I've actually explained to you guys how it's easy to build massive amounts of wealth in one generation if you make a plan you make a long term plan. Uh actually let me see, let me give you the URL if you want to go take a look. It, things like that $5 a day investing plan when I was explaining that to you like literally how a person in one generation how you if you get things started now how in a generation or two your children can be like enormously wealthy. I kid you, th- I kid you not, this stuff actually works. Go to theallblackagenda.com. That's that's where I keep the whole black agenda. There's a link to Ice Cube's contract with Black America. There's links to um other information from Nathaniel Jordan, the Minister of Health, there uh, on you know, food you can eat to be healthy. There's uh the five dollar day investing plan. There's all sorts of resources for the black family right there on their page. And 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 I just really believe that we can do this, right? So I, I'm not a fan of I'm not I'm I'm not anti-integration, right? Like I'm not a person who says that we must separate completely from everyone else no matter what. That's not realistic to me because I think that you should want to participate in the global economy. But there's a difference between being a participant in the global economy versus being occupied by the global economy. Like the United States does a lot of business with Canada, but Canada is not you know, the northern part of the United States. Canada is its own country but they do all kinds of trade with the United States. But they don't want to be owned by the United States. So so that's what I'm saying. Integration doesn't work because you're looking for an owner. You're not a goddamn poodle. You're not a pet. You don't need an owner. You don't need a sponsor. <laughs> you you own yourself. And then you can partner with with other people. You can partner with the world. That's what that's what was missing with with integration, it wasn't the integration in itself as a bad idea. It's just that the terms were ridiculous. The other thing, too, is, is so So what I would say is at the end of the day, like I said, if you go to my Instagram, my Instagram's a real voice walking. Let me put it up here. I want I like to share my gram with you guys because I like because I lose about 3000 people a week because I piss somebody off on my Instagram. So just expect I, I'm always going to challenge your thinking. But um, i like to have this. The, i like to get rid of the stupid people so I can have intelligent people on my Instagram. So let me I'm sure I'm sure if I went along and just, I don't know, repeat it. Stupid talking points from TV. I probably have a lot more followers, but I don't. Um, I have maybe a little less than 300,000, but I'm sure it'd be like a million if I knew how to coon a little bit better. Uh, But follow me there um, because I really like to use social media platforms as an opportunity to help all of us grow. And I think that challenging our thinking on everything is the only way we're going to make progress. Like you need um, really, really at least a couple of things. You need courage. And you need brains. You need to be able to think strategically. You need to be able to process information. And you need to have the courage to implement and execute. Knowing that you're going to take some punches. Knowing that you're going to get your ass kicked a little bit. Knowing that you're going to get talked about. But you got to move forward. And that's not just true aggregately as a community. It's also true individually. Like when you make your moves for your family, you got to make those moves. And and, and not every move is going to work out. Some of those moves are going to be a little tough. You're going to be a little embarrassed. Things aren't going to work out the way you expect them to, but you got to make those moves because it's not about you and now in 2021 in this generation. The moves you're making now are going to have a um, a ripple effect that go up beyond the 22nd century. So I kind of need you to go ahead and get off your ass and, and do whatever it is you've been promising yourself you're going to do so that you can start winning this damn thing. You know, like, I want you to have freedom. Like, that's really what the goal is, right? So what is freedom? Freedom means options. Well, how do you create the most options, you know, and, and opportunities for yourself? Well, you certainly don't maximize your options and your freedom by constantly training your children to go work for white people, because then what you're doing is you're letting white people manage your opportunities and options and freedom. And if somebody else is managing your options and freedom, then you don't have freedom. So a lot of times the reason you don't achieve freedom, even though you use the word freedom a lot, the word gets abused. You don't have freedom because some of our people don't even know what freedom looks like. We think freedom looks like uh, just finding a better pimp. Ain't no hoe ever in the history of all hookers and hoes ever found freedom by simply going to a better pimp. The only, well, the only hookers that were ever able to find freedom were the ones who, who, who got rid of all the pimps and took care of themselves. So, so I think that with with this white supremacy thing, I think it's a it's a it's a tricky thing. Also white supremacy is a system. White supremacy is not about some stupid white lady in a bakery who decided that she don't want to serve bagels to black people. I don't give a damn about that. She can keep her funky ass bagels. White supremacy is about the systematic process of controlling your mind and controlling your resources so that you then end up having to lean on uh, people who hate you, to supply you with the things that you need. White supremacy is the systematic process of controlling everything that you consume, from the food you eat, to the education you consume, to the media that you watch, to the uh, the employment that you chase, and, and, and convincing you that the best way for you to function in this society is to hand all your resources over, to corporations and organizations and entities that are owned and controlled and run by white people right? So when you're when you're a kid and you, you don't get your reparations for slavery, you get your preparations for slavery. And your preparations for slavery, first thing they do is they convince you that you must send your child to a white-run school to be educated so they can learn from a white curriculum, so they can be taught that people like George Washington are their heroes, even though George Washington was, raped Black women. He was a slave master. But somehow your child grows up admiring him. And then your child is then consuming a, a ton of music that is reminding Black men to be uh, self-destructive, uh, to drink and smoke too much to kill each other, to give away all their money, and to disrespect black women at every available opportunity, and to leave as many of them pregnant with STDs as they possibly can, and uh, and to commit criminal behavior so that, that they then have an excuse to to lock you up. The white uh, Malcolm X used to say, "The white man will sell you the liquor bottle and then lock you up for being drunk." And then the next piece of white supremacy comes when they tell you that the only way for you to be successful is to go to some big white-run university and spend all your time, you know, not studying really, but going to step shows and parties and stuff. And then you graduate with a bachelor's degree so you can get a job, hopefully working for another white person. And then you're saddled with $150,000 in student loan debt that you can never repay. And uh, so your university's rich. The corporation you work for is rich. The person you're renting your apartment from is rich. Uh, the companies that you're buying products from are rich, but you ain't rich. So therefore you end up a bigger slave. And what's really fascinating about the white supremacist thing that I think is really great, oh, and, oh and, and you know, is 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 the fact that they convince you to be the biggest cheerleader for white supremacy that, that there is, like like you are the one who will show up and will battle against, say, I don't know, Ice Cube, who says, hey, maybe we should ask for something for our vote, so you show up first to fight the battle because you, your brainwashing runs that deep, or. You're the first one, you know, to get mad when black people say, hey, let's build our own businesses. You know, you're the first one to clown people who do that kind of thing. Or you clown the conscious community because they're trying to find themselves. So, you, know, we, you know, you got crazy people everywhere. Sure, there's some people in the conscious community that can do better. But but the, at least the people in the conscious community are saying, this ain't it. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. But this ain't it, right? And I, I personally really think that... Um, Most of us haven't thought about it that deeply. And that's why white supremacy will continue to win. It's going to continue to win, um, even though somebody mentions HBCUs. I mean, white supremacy is all through our HBCUs. Why do you think HBCUs were invented in the first place? They were invented to train black people to go work for white people. And to this day, um, Howard University is an HBCU that um, Dr. Claude Anderson, who literally influenced the thinking of all the major figures in the last election. I mean, Ice Cube was calling him, Kanye was calling him, Charlemagne, the guy was calling him. Charlemagne flew to his house because, you know, the powernomics ideas were so powerful. But yet Howard has never invited Dr. Claude Anderson to even come give one speech. But you don't have every white person on the planet come speak at your university. But for some reason, you are afraid of that black man who actually wants black people to be independent and strong. Right, that's a mental illness. That's sick. You should be diagnosed. They need to put that whole damn school on medication. If that's if, if, if whoever makes those kinds of decisions, you have a mental illness. Like that's absolute insanity. You know, so I personally think that um, you know, getting off the grid is the way to go. Um and so when I look at what's going on with, you know, Tamika Mallory and Sean King and Ben Crump and all those guys, I don't hate them. I don't dislike any of these people. Like, I I get it. I, you know, I here's what I see with Ben Crump. Ben Crump is a guy who has found a niche for himself by unfortunately becoming an ambulance chaser. Ben Crump uh, waits for the next civil rights case where somebody gets shot by a cop. And then he gets there. He holds a press conference and he starts negotiating with the, you know, city officials to get some sort of massive payment for the family. He's there to work on behalf of the family and to work on behalf of himself. I don't. I think it's a stretch to expect that Ben Crump is going to work on behalf of the black community. So while Ben Crump is an, is an effective lawyer who has certainly found a niche for himself, I would be hesitant to jump on the bandwagon every time Ben Crump. Or that other lawyer Lee Merritt opens their mouth, right, to make to somehow get them to think that their case is your issue too. That's the challenge. That's the thing that I think um, I would I would sort of correct them on is stop trying to bring everybody into your fight. Okay, if you're trying to get a big settlement for the family and for yourself, do that. You know, be a lawyer. Like if you're if you're suing Procter and Gamble on behalf of Kodak, and you're trying to get a big settlement for Kodak. You don't have to go out and tell the whole world that, look at look at this terrible thing that Procter & Gamble is doing to the whole world. They're going to destroy the planet. Like, no. Like, like it's between Procter and & Gamble and Kodak. So if there's an incident, I think that this idea of re-triggering Black people consistently about once every three weeks, that's about how often we get one of these cases. Um, re-triggering Black people for your own economic benefit is one of those things that um, that you have to sort of, you know, sort of question, Right it uh, doesn't mean it's, it, it, it doesn't make him a terrible person. It just means you have to kind of speak on that a little bit. And so I would almost say that. So when you talk about, say, like Sean King, Sean King is a journalist. He's a journalist and he's an activist journalist. Uh, he's a person that um, brings attention, you know, much needed attention to issues in the world that deserve that attention. Um, and that's it, right? Like I, I really think that. Beyond that, I'm not really 100% sure what the long-term benefit becomes when you get people caught up in the minutia of one particular person's case or one particular situation or trying to get somebody elected for office and things like that. Um, I don't really know how that much that changes the reality of the entire community or changes entire systems. I I see that as sort of these one-offs, right? And, uh, and I think that's what we do. We get into this sort of symbolism, repetitive symbolism, you know, of, of of just one case after another after another. And then there's like this new shooting and we're all sort of on the internet reading all the details of the case. And, uh, and it reminds me, I remember when Nancy Grace used to do that on CNN, where she would find some blonde hair, blue eyed white girl who got killed. And everybody would be obsessed with who killed, you know, this blonde hair, blue eyed white girl when there's white, when there's girls getting kidnapped left and right, like thousands of girls being kidnapped in that two week period, but yet you're focused on that one person as if getting justice for that one person really matters. You know, it doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things. Right. And the other thing too, is that if all your attention is focused on one case in one situation, you're going to miss out on the other thousands of things that are happening behind your back. So, um, that's the reason why I don't. I, I refuse to let people get me triggered over and over again. It's not fun for me. Um, I don't enjoy waking up every day thinking about how miserable it is to be black. Um, I tend to be a doer, right? I tend to work well with people who are doers, right? So a doer, in my view, is somebody who says, "Man, this sucks." Well, let's fix it, right? Like, like these, are, those are the people I tend to rock with. Um, the ones who complain about the same thing in twenty twenty one that you were bitching about in twenty sixteen. I don't really. I think you need to sort of stop and question whether your energy is actually being used in a positive direction. And I also will say this: uh, somebody says, that, "Have I interviewed Thomas Sowell?" I haven't interviewed Thomas Sowell. I don't. I, I don't do a lot of interviews on my platform. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a journalist. I just, you know, I bring people on sometimes, but I'm not. I that's just. I'm not a great interviewer, to be honest with you. But, um, but one thing I will say though is, I'm not a person who sits and believes that every conservative is a sellout. Uh, or every liberal is a hero. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've I noticed hypocrisies when you'll have a very pro-black person who happens to be on the right and everybody wants to call him an Uncle Tom. But if he was saying that same shit on the left, everybody would be cheering for him. And that to me is a form of white supremacy. That tells me that you don't have an original thought. You're not capable of independent thinking because you're pretty much, the things that are coming out of your mouth are very predictable based on your political disposition. And that is another form of white supremacy because this Democrat Republican nonsense, that is a white supremacist construct. Those are things that were created by your oppressors, you know, but there are black folks who will wear that flag and it'll distract them from doing the real work that's required in the community. So, um, so I'm I'm not, I'm not a fan of any of it. You know, if you want to know what I believe in, I believe in the basic this these basic ideas, the black core of three. I believe that black people should educate their own children. Stop letting white people educate your kids. At least make sure that you're a heavy participant in that process. We should educate our own children, create our own jobs so that we're not begging for jobs from white people and support black businesses so they can create more jobs and build more Um opportunities, build more institutions in our community. Uh, If we do those three things, then we will win. We will have success and power. Because I would tell you, if you ever want to get away from the majority of the white supremacy that exists in your life, learn how to not have to go work for a white man anymore. Do you understand? Um, When I was a young black man, I was very frustrated. You know, I was very sick of the people that I had to deal with. I, I didn't like the unfairness. Unfairness really bothered me. And when I learned how to make my own money, and work for myself. I swear to God. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to say that I was I I wasn't born in a la la land. I mean, I was born in poor. and I've probably been poorer than 95% of the people in this room. But I'm going to tell you like you would think white supremacy is not even a thing like it, if you looked at my day-to-day life. Because I'm at home with my family. I'm in the space where I'm safe. Like I'm surrounded by my homies so to speak. Like I have allies, I have my my real allies are around me. Who are your allies? Like, you really think these other people are your allies? You think the dem- these Democrats are your allies, or these? Or you, you really think the Latino communities are your allies? Like, really? Like, really? You really think you really think they like you? Seriously, you have no allies out there. Your allies are in your goddamn community, man. Like, my allies are in my family. My allies are my people. <laughs> like, so when I'm surrounded by my family, you can't touch me. You can't hardly you can't hardly mess with me. Like, seriously. So. So and and the thing about it is that because people are not having evolved again, white supremacy's goal is to keep you on lower vibrational thinking. So the masses of our people are kept on that low vibration to the point where they think that people who talk like this are totally gone. Like they think that we are like, oh, well, you just you just don't care. And you you'll sell out. No, no, we've been I've seen it. I've been right in the mix of all of that stuff. And I just made a choice to say, I'm going to get away from this. And I thought about my life and I said, okay, white people piss me off. Not all of them, just some of them, just the ones who piss me off, piss me off. And the rest of them, most of them I don't relate to very much. I just don't. They're not bad people, but I don't get, you know, that joke you made about the Irish Cornish hand that you ate at your bar mitzvah. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I just, that's not, I don't understand. You know, like I'm not culturally a fit for this space. So then I started thinking, I said, OK, so the solution is I got to get out of this space. And I said, how do I get out of this space? OK, I got to make my own money. I got to figure out how to make maybe. But at that time, it was like three or four thousand a month. I said, if I can make three or four thousand dollars a month without having to beg that white man for that money, I'm good because I can at least stay bunkered in the house. I could stay in the fucking house. And I ain't got to deal with none of these motherfuckers. Like, like, that was my thinking. I swear to God. Like, it's basic. It can be basic stuff. It doesn't have to be complex. Seriously, you ain't got to go to Harvard and write entire dissertations on how to overcome white supremacy. Just figure out how to make your own damn money so you ain't got to work for these people anymore and stop and turn off the TV. Like, if you don't like their media, then watch black media. If you don't like their schools, then, go, then send your kid to a black school. If you don't want to work for them, then work with other black people. That's it. That's literally it. Media, education, and economics. M-E-E, me. There we go. So think about me. I did this acronym. I just made that up in my head. Me, media, education, and economics. If you are able to separate in those three key areas or at least regain control, then 90% Ninety percent of the white supremacy that you bitch about on a daily basis will be gone. I guarantee it. I swear to God. I, in fact, I, that's the life I live. I don't. I, I. I can't be angry with white people because I just don't see them. I literally feel like I left the planet. Not and not because I'm some sort of elitist who's who has you know some sort of special opportunities. No, I created this shit. I, I went out and I busted my butt to get it. I was probably poorer than you. So stop it. Stop the victim talk. I get tired of the victim talk. Well, well, you don't understand how hard man, I've been broker than than the Ten Commandments. I know it's like to be right in the middle of the struggle. Like, I know like there's no story you can't tell me about being black that I, I can't relate to on some level. So just stop it. And the people who told you that somehow I can't relate to you because I no longer know how to be a victim, that those are the people you need to watch. The people that somehow have an issue with black people who've chosen not to be victims anymore, those are the people, those are the predators. The predators are the people who want you to always believe you're a victim because they want you to believe that you have no power without them. Again, part of the white supremacy that makes it so powerful is that the system's built around a lot of economic concepts. One of the things, if you ever watch the read the 48 Laws of Power, one of the 48 laws of power is if you want to maintain power, keep people dependent on you, keep people dependent on you. So in order for them to maintain power over you, in order for white supremacy to maintain itself, it's got to keep keep you dependent, right? So so the minute you really start to feel empowered and start to say, hey, I, you know what, I don't need y'all anymore, <laughs> like, then they start to lose. So um, just be mindful of that be mindful of that. All right. I'm done talking. I just, I have geez, literally been just yapping my head off, but, uh, I hope this conversation helps some of you. Um, I, I just, I'd like to share a stream of consciousness, you know, and, and again, I want to just make sure it's clear. I'm not here to diss Tamika Mallory. I don't hate this lady. I, she was very nice to me when I used to go and hang out at Sharpton's spot <laughs> back 12 years ago. I, you know, but, um, uh, but that Cadillac commercial, um, go on my Instagram. It's the real boys walkins and you can check it out and watch it for yourself. Leave a comment and leave a comment. I'd like to see what you guys think. Um, because you know, I, I don't, I don't believe I have the final truth on anything. Um, I just believe that I have a perspective that hopefully can add to your perspective. And also if you want to support the platform, you can go to intelligent people.com. That's our Patreon. So feel free to go there. If somebody said, wow, Dr. Boyce plays video games. Yes, I do. I do play video games. Um, um and i love it i it was a new hobby i promised myself i would pick a new hobby this year that i knew nothing about and so I, I started playing Call of Duty. And actually today we won our first game. Like it's called this, um, they call called the War Zone, where you get dropped in the middle of this big, gigantic area and everybody's killing each other. And so I was terrible at the game. And I'm still not that good. But we were actually able to win today. So it's kind of cool. So if you want to uh, follow and um, hang out with us, feel free to go to my Twitch channel. There, there it is. It's uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, twitch.tv. All right, I'm out. Um, have a good day. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.